0: Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. Have you had a good week? Has it been, a, has it been an interesting week for you? Has it been one of uh, uh, kind of weirdness and changes and things being maybe unexpected? Yes, we've all been having those kinds of weeks lately. So uh, I'm glad you're with me today. We've got a wonderful show in store for you. I have a a very fascinating guest who's wrote an interesting book who's on the line with us today. And I just want to let you all know, like things have really been heating up for me. I've had many people introducing me to some marvelous, marvelous people who will be guests on my show uh, coming up. Uh, you know, the end of the year, beginning of next year. I'm already booking guests into February and probably pretty soon March. I've got a few more connections, but I've really got some high-powered guests uh, coming on next year. So I, I hope you'll stay tuned and stay with me for that. Um, on the Facebook Live, I see some friends already on there, a fellow talkradio.nyc host Elizabeth on. Hey, welcome. I hope you hope you guys had a chance to listen to her show uh, uh, last night she had a wonderful guest on her show peter woodbury who who uh, from Virginia Beach, who was absolutely fascinating uh, oh, my old childhood friend Jonathan on, and mark. Mark, how are you? Good to see you, a future guest on my show. So, great to see so many people on the Facebook Live joining in. All right, let's get started. We have, of course, our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. The main thing those who've, quote, passed, unquote, would like to tell those who've not, quote, passed, unquote, is that once you get over the shock of having safely arrived, completely intact, cool as ever, and bathed in love, what you'll miss most about Earth after ice cream is the beguiling romance of uncertainty. Oh, yes, you will. You really do have it made the universe. <laughs> we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Uh, today... Um kind of teasing us about uncertainty, right? Because who likes dealing with uncertainty? Who enjoys like having to swim in these oceans of unknown and what the hell is going on and things like that? And we think that, you know, oh, I don't want uncertainty. I want nothing but certainty in my life. I want to know what's going on. I want control, all that stuff. And, and I think what the universe here is trying to say is that, you know, once we transition and once we become that greater part of ourselves, when we're in our pure, energetic, spiritual form, is then we're once again connected to all that is, we know everything that's going on, we see everything that's going on, uncertainty is gone, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, yeah, that, that might, you know, ease some fears that might help us to feel a little better. Um, but there's actually that bit of uncertainty that's in our lives, whether it's a lot or a little, that actually is what makes life so interesting. And yes, I understand that like when we're children and if you're in one of those households that moves around a lot and you're transferred from school to school, that uncertainty of where you're going to end up and where you're going to be, that that doesn't really serve us as little children. And and it can be a little difficult for us. I, I get that. I really do. But as adults, as conscious, thriving human beings, there is a lot to be said for uncertainty. And uncertainty is not just something to make life more interesting, but uncertainty can also humble us, you know, especially when we think we got it, we know what's going on and something we totally didn't expect comes from out of left field, something which I've experienced recently. It's definitely humbling. It definitely teaches us that, you know, we're not as smart as we think we are, we don't really know as much as we think we do. And it helps us to really step back and and really give us a pause to really look at things and question ourselves. And questioning ourselves, as long as it's not done in a um, compulsive manner, is actually very good. It causes that self-reflection. It helps us to really um, grow and, and look at these aspects of ourselves that maybe we haven't always you know, taken the time to examine. So uncertainty, you know what? I'm okay with having some uncertainty in life. Because I've gotten to the point where I realize I'm in control of nothing. Nothing. Forget it. Anything that I think I'm in control of is complete illusion. And and I always, you know, when people say, oh, no, I'm in control of my life. I get this and that. And I'm like, really, can you control the weather? Do you know when a massive storm or earthquake is going to hit? Like there was just an earthquake that hit Papua New Guinea. There's tsunami warnings, right? There's a tsunami just hit um, uh, Indonesia. uh hurricane that came out of nowhere, just hit the Panhandle of Florida. My brother was supposed to come up from Virginia Beach today. We don't know if he's going to be able to leave Virginia Beach because the planes could be grounded because of the hurricane. So tell me again how you're in control of your life. Are you in control over what other people do? Are you in control over what life brings to you? Look, it's not to say that we cannot influence those things around us. It's just a lesson that I learned a long time ago because I've been in so many situations that were completely out of control that I had to learn how to navigate, that I learned that like... You know, there's only one thing I have control over. One thing that we all have control over and that is how we respond to what life brings us. That we have complete control over. Anything else it's illusion. It really is. So, let's get used to the uncertainty. The sooner we begin to accept it and embrace it and and just know that it's part of our lives and and find something about it to love and to 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 cherish uh, the sooner we're all going to have a much easier time with life. So, a wonderful quote from the universe. I hope you enjoyed it. I love this quote. Okay. Let's see what Abraham brings to us today. The buffer of time gives you the opportunity to get it right before it manifests, to take pleasure from the vision and from the molding and from the molding it into place. Can you imagine if everything was manifesting instantly? You would manifest this, and then you would manifest it away, and then you'd manifest that, and then it would be a difficult thing if you were instantly manifesting every whim or every misaligned thought. Mm -hmm. It's so much better that you have this buffer of time where you can feel feel it into perfection before it manifests into your experience. Abraham. A wonderful, wonderful quote into a- from Abraham, and one that you know a lot of people who I coach and talk to, uh, you know, it it's we we sometimes you know uh, think that like oh I've been doing so perfect I've been keeping my vibration high I've been my vision board my my affirmations I've been doing this doing that oh how come it's not manifesting how come it's not manifesting, and what Abraham is saying here is thank. God, we are not instant manifestors. Because if we were instant manifestors, it would be like chaos going crazy around us. Because if everything we thought came into existence like that, you know, come on, how many crazy thoughts do we have in a minute, let alone a day? The buffer of time that exists, this this kind of stretch, this period of time from when we desire something to when it actually comes into our our world, our manifestation, is really giving us the opportunity to come fully in alignment with what it is that we are desiring, that we are envisioning, that we are manifesting. Um, Because sometimes we start and we think we want one thing. And we focus on it, and we journal about it, and we put pictures around it, uh, all over the place about it. Uh, but then over time, we begin to realize, you know what, that isn't quite what I want. What I actually want is this instead. And so our vision gets refined. Our, our, our desires get refined. And, and it takes time to really energetically line up to these things we say we want. And you may say, Sam, I get it, but I got bills to pay. I swear I am in complete alignment with having a ton of money come into my life. And I would say to you, really? Are you really, really, really completely in alignment with it? Because if you were, there would be no resistance and that money would come. And that money would come in many uncertain, unexpected ways that you couldn't even imagine. And because you're so in line with it, you would think up of ways. You would get inspiration. You would see where if you just placed your effort and your energy, that boom, that would bring you what you want. But you didn't. You haven't. You see, that is always the key thing that we tend to miss when we... When we say, like, oh, I'm so in alignment, I really want this thing to manifest. You know what? If it hasn't manifested, there is some part of you that's not in alignment with it. And that's where the deep work comes in. That's where we really need to dig in to the emotional, energetic Side of us that, you know, what is ingrained in our belief systems, in our nervous system, in our upbringing. You know, we so want to believe that, oh, I only want the best things for myself. But, you know, if you've been picked on since you're a little kid, if you've been told you're not worthy or not good enough, if, if we've been surrounded by unsupportive people and, and maybe parents who were just too busy with their own stuff to deal with to really give us the support that we needed. You know what? Where is there those self-esteem issues? Where are there those self-worth issues? Where are those self-love issues that we haven't really dealt with yet? Because the truth is, The more we unravel it, and hey, look, I'm not saying we're going to get it done in this lifetime. I'm not saying that, like, you know, you just got to focus and work on this for five days, 24 hours a day, and then you're done. No, it's called the great work. The self-work is the great work (coughs) because it is the work of a lifetime. All right? But we can dig in. We can self-reflect. We can get deeper and deeper. We go layer by layer by layer, peeling the onion that is our psyche. All right. We don't have to be compulsive about it. We don't have to get neurotic about it. We just have to be patient with ourselves. We just have to, you know, give ourselves a break. And it's like, you know, come on. How many years did it take us to get into where we are now? How many years is it going to take to unravel that? Hey, let's be a little gentle. All right, and 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 just learning to be a little gentle can go a long, long way in our process. So, two wonderful quotes from Abraham and from the universe. I think very apropos for my guest, who I'll bring on right after this break. Uh, Welcome, Stephen. Welcome, Donna, uh, old coworker. Hi, Donna. Good to see you on. Uh, Sharon, thank you for liking us. So, um, listen, everybody, we've got, if you've liked these quotes of the day, you're going to love my guest. So, please stay tuned. You are listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. And we will be right back after these messages.
1: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network.
2: Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakened, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut?
1: Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down?
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. Um, And now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome my guest, Brian C. Wilson. Uh, Brian, not Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. I I have to clarify this because, you know, I know I got a a lot of old timers like myself here. Um, But Brian is the author of the brand new book, Johnny Fetzer and the Quest for the New Age. He is also a professor of the American Religious History in the Department of Comparative Religion at Western Michigan University. He holds a Ph.D. in Religious Studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. After writing an award-winning book on the serial inventor and leading Seventh-day Adventist of his time, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, the Fetzer Institute invited Wilson to write a full-length spiritual biography of its founder, John Fetzer. The Kalamazoo-based Fetzer was a radio pioneer, media mogul, and longtime owner of the Detroit Tigers baseball team. What most people don't know about, Mr. Fetzer, is that he was quietly behind the scenes a significant figure in the consciousness movement and a spiritual seeker of the first order. For more than 60 years, he sought ways to open the doors to higher consciousness, spiritual empowerment, paranormal insights, and energy medicine to humanity through spiritual study, science, and the influence of the wealth at his disposal. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Brian. How are you today?
4: Very good. Thank you for having me
0: on. Ah, My pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, you know, this is something, you know, I have to admit. And, and, you know, if I didn't know who John Fetzer was, I guarantee you most of my audience do, don't know who John Fetzer is. And, I, I'm, and I'm curious, um, before the Institute came to you, did you know who he was?
4: Well, yes, because uh, living in Kalamazoo, um, the Fetzer Institute uh, has a has a pretty um, major presence.
0: Ah, so okay. uh,
4: I moved uh, to Kalamazoo in 1996, and very quickly I became aware that the, the Fetzer Institute was here and doing some very interesting work. Um, and people in Michigan, of course know Fetzer from his broadcasting, right? uh, But also because of his ownership of the Detroit Tigers baseball team. So here in the Midwest and especially in Michigan, he's a he's a pretty well known figure. But beyond that, uh, you know, nationally, um, I think we're you know through this book we're introducing him to a whole new audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to have to ask. I met a bunch of people was out in California who are from Detroit, Michigan. I'll have to ask them if they know about them. Um, uh, so let me ask you. So your background is in sort of comparative religion. Um, would you have considered yourself uh, a, a, a kind of new agey spiritual kind of guy? Or were you more of a, a traditional sort of uh, uh, religion and philosophy type guy?
4: well they... i i like to think of myself as kind of a combination of both um okay. i i tell people i'm kind of an agnostic seeker ah. because on the one hand yeah i i'm an academic and I, mm-hmm. I i approach the academic study of religion from hopefully a pretty neutral standpoint mm-hmm. but of course i'm absolutely fascinated by new religious movements and metaphysical movements and so You know, on the one hand, there's this very strong attraction. But on the other hand, you know, I have this academic training that I bring to it. So um, I'd like to say I kind of straddle both worlds.
0: Cool. Cool. Um, So so let me ask you, when when the the Institute approached you to to write this book, were you surprised or, or were you kind of like, oh, okay, this makes sense?
4: Well, um, I, I was surprised. I had uh, done some work for the Institute in the past, so they, they knew about my work and my interest in uh, new okay. religions and new religious figures. And one of the major things was I had written a book about uh, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, who is the inventor of cornflakes. Yeah. And he actually was based in Battle Creek, which is just a few oh. miles uh, east of Kalamazoo. And he was, uh, yeah, the most famous Adventist of his time. And so people at the Institute had, had read that book and really liked the way I had gotten into Kellogg's head and been able to reconstruct his worldview uh, over many years. He, he lived to a grand old age. So I think they thought, okay, this is a person who can handle the Fetzer materials in a, in a, you know, a sensitive way and, and bring out the story and really highlight the spiritual aspects of his life um, because people knew about his business side, they knew about right. his baseball side, but right. they didn't know about his spiritual side. So, um, yes, I was surprised they asked me, but, uh, I mean, I think it made sense in terms of my interests and, in, you know, my, my my previous work.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, so let's get into it. So, so what, uh, um, what sort of... Uh, 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 brought uh, Fetzer to sort of his, his spiritual awakening? Was there a particular incident or, or, or was there, there something, uh, a, a moment, a, a, a mystical uh, experience that kind of woke him up or was he just kind of raised very spiritually and it was just natural for him?
4: Well, that's an interesting question, uh, because he was actually raised a very traditional Christian. Ah, uh, he was okay. baptized a Methodist and went to Sunday school, and uh, eventually his mother converted to Seventh-day Adventism, so he became an Adventist okay. himself. And so well into his his 20s, uh, he was a pretty, you know, conventional Christian. Mm-hmm. He did have a couple of religious experiences that I think were formative Um, one as a a young child he was was in a uh, department store and he was playing around in an elevator and somehow got into trouble and looked up and had a vision of Jesus and Jesus Uh, basically said to him I'll never let you go and this is a story he related well into his his 80s so it was a powerful kind of spiritual experience for him but then there's another experience, I think, that was important as well, and that was his discovery of radio. Um, he wow. was, uh, as a young man, he had a, um, a brother-in-law who was a, a telegraph operator for the railroads. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he taught John um, Morse code, and together, this is back in the 1910s, they put together a, a little crystal set, a little primitive radio. Oh, wow. And for John Fetzer, you know, being able to pull in voices and music from the air uh, was something, I mean, it was not only a kind of technological experience for him, but it was oh. almost a spiritual experience. And so he began thinking at that point about the connection between spirit and energy and um, all the possibilities inherent in thinking about a, a universe that was basically connected together by these, um, by these spiritual energies. And energy was a metaphor he loved um, coming out of his, his radio days. So I think there were a couple of specific important kinds of experiences as a young man that led him uh, to start exploring metaphysical experiences, but it wasn't until his, his late 20s. Uh, when he'd finally left the Seventh-day Adventist church, that he really wow. began his, his kind of metaphysical spiritual search.
0: Okay, and so just to to frame this properly for my audience, John Fetzer lived from when to when? Uh, he was born in
4: 1901, 1901, and he died in 1991, just, just shy of his 90th birthday. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So his life really spanned the 20th century.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Okay. That's really fascinating how um, uh, sort of his is, you know, the, this connection that today most of us would think of as just something very technological, the idea of a, a crystal radio set. Um, but I can understand how that can help to to bridge the, the, the intellectual gap of like, well, hey, these voices and these sounds are coming out of this little box that, that isn't connected to anything. That's really coming through energy. So, you know why if if that can happen then then why can 't we have an energetic side to us, and why can 't all these things we call angels and spirits you know why can 't they just be forms of energy so I can understand how he can have that gap now but but one of the things that I find interesting about him is that even though he was a deeply spiritual person, he was also very um, materially successful, which you don 't mm. always often think of those two things as going hand in hand. Did you find that to be in any way a, a paradox, or was it something that really, you know, after you studied his life, really fit together very well?
4: Well, I think for John Fetzer, it fit together really well because he really attributed a lot of his financial success to um, his, um, his metaphysical interests, his worldview, but also he believed that he also, to some degree, had some level of ESP. Uh, um, so okay. he believed to a certain degree that his his business success was due to um, psychic sources as well. Uh, and I think um, even if you're not a believer in psychic sources, what what John Fetzer's beliefs did for him and his practices was that it gave him the confidence to go out and really you know try new things and and think boldly about uh, business decisions um, that just led him from one success to another. So by the time he died he had been listed in Forbes magazine as one of America's uh, 400, 400 wealthiest people. Oh, so wow. for him uh, the wealth I think he really saw it as a as a um, what as a result of his his orientation towards the universe.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, great. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back I want to talk about, you know, his influence like how what he did Um, really affected what we tend to call the new age movement and and how he really is one of these sort of unsung pioneers. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And a big shout out to my friend Mark on the Facebook live stream. I see you brother. Um, Hope things go well with your move to Florida. Pat, uh, my new dear friend from England. Thank you for tuning in. Mark, Lisa, hey Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Susan just joined us on the Facebook Live too. Thank you guys so much. Everybody please stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the
1: Talking Alternative Network. like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin, together we have over 15 years experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc.
0: welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity I just, uh, John, I, I, uh, um, Brian, I was a little remiss I, I didn't have the book hand. I'm just uh, r- showing the book to our audience uh, nice little cover with a picture of John on the cover, Johnny Fetzer and the Quest for the New Age, so this is what the book looks like um, so you guys can go find it, I think it, it's all over the place, right? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all your bookstores and everything
4: That's correct. And if uh, your listeners are interested, there's uh, a website, InfinitePotential.com, that they can go to and download a a free copy of the the first chapter of the book.
0: Ah, okay, great. I will put that into the Facebook Live. Um, Okay, so let's talk about um, uh, 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 John's sort of influence on this movement because, you know, we're talking like the early 19th century um, you know, the, the, the new thought movement, as it was known as, or the new age movement, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. got kicked off by Edgar Cayce, you know, that that tends to be the figure that most people know about. But John also had an influence. How did he how did what he do and, and what he set up? How did that really influence the movement?
4: Well, yeah. Um, John Fetzer, who was um, uh, a real fan of, of Edgar Casey, um, he began reading Edgar Casey um, back in the '40s. Um, but in the 1960s, John Fetzer began thinking about these kinds of ideas and kind of synthesizing his worldview. And back in the '60s, he was already calling it a, a new age worldview. And his whole point was that. Um, through individual spiritual transformation, he was hoping that there could be catalyzed a a global spiritual transformation. And so he decided at a certain point that he was going to convert his wealth uh, into an endowment uh, for a foundation uh, that would basically promote this idea of individual spiritual transformation leading Ah, to global spiritual transformation. ah, And this is what eventually became the Fetzer Institute.
0: Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So he really, as the saying goes, put his money where his mouth is, huh?
4: That's correct. So I'm just curious
0: because he was such a successful businessman. Did he, was he pretty open, like in his public world, about his spirituality, or was that something that he really kind of kept quiet?
4: No, he was very careful about being quiet about it. Uh. And I think that was for a couple of reasons. Um, I think he was actually a very private man um, in in his his personal life. Um, And so he basically pursued his spiritual search through most of his life. Uh, in private and behind the scenes. Mm. Um, He was also very concerned that um, here in Michigan, especially Western Michigan, which tends to be pretty religiously conservative, that he would lose audience members and sponsors uh, if Ah. people knew he was basically uh, pursuing a kind of metaphysical worldview. Um, So I think that's another reason, a kind of pragmatic reason why he kept it quiet. But late in life, when he got into his 70s and he started thinking about liquidating his businesses and then uh, basically pursuing this foundation, um, that's when he became more open about it. Mm. But even in the last years of his life, he was never uh, a a public figure in terms of his, his spiritual worldview.
0: Um, Did he have at least a, a small group of people that, you know, kind of that he worked with privately? Or was this something that he very much just did on his own?
4: No, he was always seeking out like-minded people. Uh, And even here in Kalamazoo, there was a kind of metaphysical underground that he tapped Uh into. So he found people who uh, were interested in these things and interested in in studying them and practicing them uh, seriously. Hmm. And so in his his last decade, uh, he put together a group that they simply called the Monday Night Group. And Uh they would get together and um, study a variety of different esoteric texts including A Course in Miracles, which was um, kind of his Bible for uh, the last 15 years of his life. And John Fetzer also had a personal psychic, a channeler, a man named Jim Gordon, uh, who would do channelings for him. And they would record these and then uh, basically type them out into transcripts. And the group would get together and and discuss them and talk about their implications, their implications Mm -hmm. for individual development, but also their implications for the the Fetzer Institute. So he definitely surrounded himself with a group of very loyal, like-minded people. So he wasn't completely isolated.
0: Oh, good, good. Um, That's so funny, a Monday Night group, because, uh, you know, kind of when I got put back on my spiritual path, and uh, one of the things I did is I studied with a spiritual teacher here in Manhattan, and he used to have classes, I think he still does, every Monday night. So Monday nights was my night to go to my Ascension class. Um,
4: There must be something about Monday. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: guess so, I guess so. Um, So what kind of influence sort of... uh, uh, Oh, oh, first I want to know. Um, so these recordings of the channelings of, of the person he worked with uh, those, the, you said those were recorded. Are, are they available on the website? I mean, if people want to read them and find out about them, are they publicly available?
4: Well, they' not they're not now. Um, okay. but uh, just before John Fetzer passed away, uh, he set up, in addition to the Fetzer Institute, Something called the Fetzer Memorial Trust, ah. um, which was designed to essentially kind of preserve John Fetzer's legacy. Hmm. And one of the things that the Memorial Trust is doing, I mean, one of the things they did was they underwrote the writing of this book, Johnny mm-hmm. Fetzer and the Quest for the New Age. Right. But they're also setting up uh, an extensive web presence uh, oh. to basically digitize, you know, documents, uh, including things like the channelings. Right. So uh, I'm I believe that over the next few years um these things will become available uh uh, for the public um Mm -hmm. uh on the memorial trust website Mm -hmm. and again you can read a little bit about it on the infinite potential website which is the memorial trust website
0: ah okay okay cool yeah and i've I've posted the infinite potential.com to the facebook live and we'll make sure it's in the summary when the podcast gets posted um great did so uh, although he kept this relatively quiet, did sort of other people in the New Age movement, I mean, not in just Kalamazoo, but I mean, just around in general, did they kind of know about him? Did did what he do sort of influence a broader audience or not really until after um, the Institute was set up?
4: Well, um, he did seek out people uh, across the country and even internationally um, uh, to basically learn from their wisdom especially when he was uh, basically coming up with the the mission and orientation of the, the Fetzer Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, but he tended to be fairly, um, what, modest in terms of uh, his promotion of his own spiritual views. Oh, I see. So it's really through the Fetzer Institute that he had his, his kind of larger influence uh, oh. on a national audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, I mean... Can you, in, in writing this book and, and, and researching and, and going through all this stuff, were there any themes that kind of emerged for you that you can see now like playing out in, in sort of the world religions or, or not the world religions, but I mean in the world at large? Were there, the, there anything that you can see that, you know, sort of came out that, that he knew about back then that, that are really rippling out to today?
4: Well, I think the key insight was, and this goes all the way back to his radio days and his experience with the early crystal set, was Mm -hmm. um, he really believed that there had to be a harmony between science and spirituality, Um. Um, that uh, science would never actually achieve a higher level until it had recognized the spiritual, and uh, our spiritual natures would never be complete without science. So I think this was an insight that he was developing all the way back, you know, in his teens and then through the the creation of the Fetzer Institute um, that's playing out today. And I think this this whole kind of desire, this quest for uh, a harmony between science and spirituality and science and religion, uh, I think is tremendously important and probably one of the things that uh, John Fetzer was most interested in promoting Mm. uh, throughout his life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things. I remember when I was in college and I, I was studying physics a little bit. A lot of my friends were into quantum physics, and the 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 dancing wooly masters came out, mm-hmm. and and David Bohm's work. And so the the thing that's where we started to see physics, you know, this this physics and spirituality starting to come together. And nowadays, it's you, you know, you listen to these guys, it's, it's all over the place. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it, and it's kind of funny, too, when you listen to some of these uh, quantum physicists, that some of the things they say are the exact same things mystics have been saying for centuries.
4: Yes. Right. Um, yeah, in fact, um, the Memorial Trust, uh, in addition to its its mission to preserve the legacy of John Petzer um, also administers something called the Franklin Fetzer Fund, mm-hmm. and that's really to fund kind of cutting-edge science and quantum mechanics uh, oh. to basically look at it or, or, or come up with um, a kind of holistic approach to science. So this kind of cutting-edge quantum mechanical mm-hmm. research is actually being, to this day, a... Uh, um, Underwritten by uh, the Fetzer Institute.
0: Oh, wonderful, wonderful! That's great. That's great. So let me ask you: Why is this book important to to like my listeners who, uh, you know, are into spirituality today and 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 researching this stuff? Why is what you have in in this book? And let me hold it up again. Um, why is this important today?
4: Well, I think um, I I would. Um, Put forward a couple of different reasons. Um, one of the things that attracted me to the book was that John Fetzer, over his long life, uh, was into all sorts of different metaphysical traditions. Right. And so for me, researching the book, it allowed me to do really in-depth investigations of, of uh, things like um, theosophy and the uh, ah. Edgar Cayce readings and channeling mm-hmm. and A Course in Miracles and other things. So if somebody wants a a kind of interesting entree into the world of metaphysical traditions, I think this book is a a pretty good introduction because John Fetzer really touched Mm. almost everything over the 20th century that would go into creating the new age. And the other thing is, um, I found John Fetzer just tremendously inspirational because throughout his life, he always kept seeking uh, and he always kept evolving. And even into his 70s and 80s, when he was beginning to slow down and and suffering uh, health problems, he was still out there uh, experimenting with new traditions, new ideas, new practices. Uh, Really, literally up until the day he died, he, he kept on seeking. So I think on the one hand, it's in terms of information, it's a great kind of introduction to the the world of metaphysical religions, especially in the United States mm-hmm. and in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's inspirational in the sense that John Fetzer, who was this tremendously successful businessman, mm-hmm. nevertheless, the really important part of his life was his spiritual evolution, which never stopped. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful, because there's not too many people you can say that, like, even into their 70s and 80s, they still question and they still look and they still, yeah. you know, are, are investigating these different traditions and different things. So that's wonderful that that uh, makes him a good uh, role model for uh, uh, for for everybody today, because it is good to always. Uh, uh keep our minds open and keep that beginner's mind you know what mm-hmm. what else Well you were away?
4: talking earlier about uncertainty and I think yeah. John Petzer did really well dealing with the uncertainties of life.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, great. Well, uh Brian, uh, uh, believe it or not, it's time for our last break of the show. We're going to take this quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this book and We'll let you uh, and some final closing thoughts. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. And uh, if you want to call in, ask your own questions. Our call in number is 877 480 4120. We'll be back after these messages.
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. <laughs> talkingalternative.com
0: And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Brian C. Wilson, author of the book, Let me hold it up again, uh, John Fetzer and the Quest for the New Age. So, uh, Brian, I'm curious, in in sort of going through all his papers and the material and, and researching this book, was there something about... Um, John, that really surprised you or like really shocked you or just kind of made you scratch your head?
4: Well, um, one of the things that I found really interesting about uh, John Fetzer was that um, he really loved all forms of divination.
0: Ah. And
4: um, so he was into astrology and tarot cards and things like that, but he also uh, carried around a pendulum. And he would use the pendulum uh, to basically answer tough questions or help him make tough decisions. And he would use this both in his personal life and in his business life. And so when he had a tough decision to make, he would pull out the pendulum, which was nothing more than a weight on the end of a string. And he would ask it a series of yes, no questions. And based on that, uh, it, would, it would help him basically reach a decision. Mm. So, and he carried this uh, for the rest of his life, um, probably since the 1930s until, the, until he died in 91. Wow. So that was interesting. And he was also uh, really fascinated by the Ouija board. Uh. And this was something he came into contact with probably back in the 1930s when he went to a spiritualist camp called Camp Chesterfield in Indiana. Oh, and okay. he used it um, to basically develop his past lives, because he believed in reincarnation. And he believed he had mm-hmm. gone through a series of past lives all the way back to Atlantis. And so oh. in order to flesh out these, these past lives experiences, he would use the Ouija board, uh, which must have been a tremendously painstaking process, yeah. um, but to basically come up with the details of, of a series of past lives. So I found his his use of the Ouija board interesting, and the reason he used the Ouija board just absolutely fascinating and surprising.
0: mm Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's. A, you guess. I guess you'd call that one of the old low tech ways of. Yeah. <laughs> of investigating and learning things, but yeah, I mean, considering like you have to move the thing to like every individual letter to spell out anything, it that that took a long time. I think I think yeah. people of his generation had a lot more patience than people do today. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, What do you hope uh,
0: that readers get from this book? What do do you hope, uh, you know, someone who picks up this book uh, in the bookstore or orders it online and and reads through it, what do you hope that they'll take away from the book?
4: Well, um, a couple of things. One is that um, uh, to be uh, a success um, doesn't necessarily mean mean, a business success or a success in, in your material life. Um, doesn't mean you have to neglect your spiritual life. Hmm. And in fact, for Fetzer, the two were just intimately, intimately connected. And ultimately, the reason he was making all this money was to um, create an institution that would go on to promote his his, uh, spiritual ideas. So I hope people take away this idea that, um, you know, in the pursuit of wealth, which is important, especially in our society, Mm -hmm. uh, nevertheless, you shouldn't neglect the the humanistic or the spiritual side of things, um, Mm -hmm. because you're incomplete if you do that. So I'm hoping people will take that away. And also just uh, for people who haven't been exposed to these different traditions, these different Mm -hmm. metaphysical traditions that went into the New Age, Um, a new appreciation and and, um, understanding of how this worldview works and how it um, basically underwrote John Fetzer's life and led to some pretty remarkable things. Mm, mm,
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Yeah, As William on the Facebook Live comments, we need the balance of mind, body, and soul. Yes. Very good. Um, So the Institute, what kinds of things, uh, other than like, you know, paying for you to, to write the book, what, and, and digitizing things. What kinds of projects is the Institute involved with these days?
4: Well, the Institute really seeks uh, to make partnerships with various groups and institutions uh, to promote spirituality in all its forms, and especially mm. across the life cycle, from childhood to old age. I and see. one of the most interesting programs it's doing right now is um, about the spiritual roots of democracy. Um, oh. The folks at the Institute really recognize the kind of uh, unsettled political moment we're passing through in this country where there's right. just these incredible divides between left and right. Yeah. And so the idea is, is to get people together on both sides and to talk about the spiritual roots of democracy and the values that basically um, – underlie democracy. And the whole hope is to get people to talk to each other and get beyond these kinds of partisan d- yeah. divides and to think about the health of the, of the republic. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a fairly new program, but I think um, it's going to have tremendous impact uh, over the next few years. I, I certainly hope it does.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so, too, because that's definitely something uh, that I see as one of the biggest problems we have these days. It's It's not that people think different from each other. It's sort of the demonization of the opposite side and people kind of being unwilling to meet with people who are are, or have a different point of view from them and and that yeah I think it's absolutely needed that we come together instead of keep finding more things that divide us um... what do you see as the implications of this for today in terms of the book, his work, the institute what do you see the relevance of it to today, to what's happening in the world today?
4: Well, um, again, I would get back to the idea that, um, in, in a globalizing world in which essentially the market is, 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 you know, the, the one major thing that ties everything together. Um, there's a tendency to, ne- to neglect the spiritual side of things, mm. and so I think the importance of John Fetzer, of the Institute, hopefully the book, uh, will get people to start thinking um, that spiritual values ultimately are the more important than the material values. Mm. Um, obviously, we can't live without the you know the the, the function of the market. Sure. Capitalism is a great generator of wealth. But that's not the, should be the end or goal, because we're going to be, ironically, spiritually impoverished if, if we simply focus on the materialist side of life. Right,
0: right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, uh, what's next for you? Uh, d- does the Institute have another book for you to write? Are there other, uh, uh, any other projects on the horizon?
4: Well, I've decided to um, do a a project on kind of the father of American spirituality, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh. And so I'm doing another kind of spiritual biography, but this one I'm really focusing on his later years, uh, which are very interesting and very full, but tend to be be neglected Mm. uh, by most of uh, of, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson's biographers. So I think this is—it's a challenging project. It, it should be a really interesting project, and I think um, it's going to really resonate with readers.
0: Oh yeah, that sounds fascinating. Definitely, let me know when that when that one comes out so we can get you back on the show. Fantastic. And you also have to promise me that if you ever make it to New York City, you got to drop by so you can sign my copy of the book. <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, so once again, the name of the book is. Uh, john e fetzer and the quest for the new age and it's available uh where
4: brian well amazon.com and uh, barnesandnoble.com uh and it's available both as a uh, hardback and then e-copy mm-hmm. and again if if your listeners would like to um read a, a free uh copy of the first chapter go to infinitepotential.com and you can download a free PDF.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, out of curiosity, uh, do you know if there are any plans to turn it into an audio book? Because audiobooks are becoming super popular today.
4: Uh, I don't know if there's any plans, but I would love it if they did.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you know, we'll, keep, we'll nudge them in that direction. Well, okay. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, and It's a great book. So thank you for, for taking the time.
4: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. You take care now. All right. Okay. And, and, a, and a big shout out to, uh, of course, my viewers on the Facebook Live. Joe, Julian, Nicole, Cole, uh, Patricia, uh, Patrice, excuse me, Franklin, and GP. Thank you guys for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the, the conversation. Like I said, we've got a bunch of great, great guests coming up in, in the future months. So I hope you'll keep coming back every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. for the Conscious Consultant Order. And I want all the listeners, please, on talkradio.nyc, please stay tuned because coming up next, Ellen Lycan is back in the studio, yay, with her show polka Divas. And I'm sure she's got another uh, great show in store for you today. So don't go anywhere. Stay there. But of course, you know, my conscious friends, I, the Conscious Consultant, will be back with you next week, Thursday, 12 noon Eastern Time. We will talk to you then.
1: You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
4: Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at
1: Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place.
2: Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc.